0: Hi, welcome to Building a Fighter um, weekly podcast where we talk about whatever we about whatever we want to talk about um, it, Alex. My name is Alex Friedman and I'm a self-titled badass strength coach in Denver, Colorado. I work with uh, Factory X and a lot of the MMA athletes in Denver. Um, I'm joined by my co-host who usually does the intro and is giving me shit for bombing on the intro. Austin Shane, who is a sports chiropractor, as well as strength and conditioning coach, as well as wrestling coach for Fight Ready and Siege MMA in Scottsdale, Arizona. I said Scottsdale, not Phoenix. So you're welcome for that call. I'm bougie. bougie. Um, But yeah, ultimately, I think we just want to freestyle tonight. I just want to kind of talk whatever's on our mind and uh, we'll go from there. I told Austin I had a real goofy lead in, um, but I actually had an idea for a blog in the last two weeks or so um and so those of you that don't know this about me i'm a super big anime nerd i'm a correct huge extremely large like draw fan art in my free time anime nerd um my favorite show ever is dragon ball z um and i've been a big fan of dragon ball super that's came out in just about 2017 so my idea for the blog is we could parallel austin's mario kart analogy and um training athletes to have superior qualities in one aspect essentially giving them superpowers in that align with each dragon ball z transformation so for instance like goku and when the onset of the dragon ball z universe turns into a super saiyan so that's essentially just him leveling up strength power speed um all of it just levels up his technique and his martial arts everything moves on but then we get later into the show, and then he actually turns, he has a God mode that he turns into. And the God mode, that signature is enhancing his speed exclusively. So we could talk about like having a program that's aimed at improving your speed, improving your footwork, improving um, your alactic power. We could call that like a God mode training. And then he has that show um, would sell, by the way. Just, a, has, just a program called God mode for sure for (laughs) sure (laughs) but yeah different transformations that turn into different specialties or different um athletic qualities so yeah that was kind of an idea where where i could parallel because um again he's got a ton of different forms by now in the anime and each one kind of has its signature um change that goes along with it a lot of them are just power-ups but there's specific speed ones there's energy conserving modes there's um techniques versus um i guess transformations i guess if you want to talk about that but i was thinking i could blend the two things i nerd about which is anime and strength conditioning
1: oh for sure and it's like uh basically what you're saying because while i have seen dragon ball z i obviously am not as as up on it as you um because i haven't watched anime in a little
0: bit lisa lisa that's what so, Austin always says is that Lisa doesn't want to watch, but I think deep down he doesn't want to watch.
1: Dude, I work like 10 to 12 hours a day. When I get home, I have to watch what Lisa wants to watch because I want to spend time to with her. Yeah. But so correct me if I'm wrong. So basically when he goes from regular to Super Saiyan, he basically blasts through all of his ceilings, right?
0: right.
1: His his ceilings now become his floors, it
0: if you will. Fair, yeah, fair enough.
1: So maybe in my mind, we could take this analogy – from hey, we want Mario Kart, we want to be able to increase our floors out of camp and raise our ceilings in camp. And then, as we pro or as our training age progresses, think about like going from a novice lifter to a moderate lifter or an intermediate lifter. That's when you hit Super Saiyan. When you go from an immediate intermediate lifter to an expert lifter, that's when you hit not God mode, but maybe God mode because it actually, Super
0: Super Saiyan 2,
1: but because as you go up, obviously, you know, and as the listeners know, you actually like your rate at which you increases less and you're only increasing one skill at a time. You're only increasing like these little key variables where you're going from 90 to 92%. You're no longer going from 60 to 80%.
0: Right. And, and you're evolving. Let's say we got take this in between camps, you're evolving um, in your training, you're gaining more speed, power, and strength. And like, again, if you have a super novice training age, then you're going to be able to increase all of these things at one time. Right. So we have like, maybe our, our, our initial programs, right. Our super saiyan one, two, three, where you're just getting better. And he does have three super saiyan modes. Um, you just get better at being Good an athlete. Know period. Like you just get stronger, more powerful and we, and concurrent training, right. You get better at everything at once. And then once we get past that, we specify into maybe a little bit more like block style or conjugate type approach, um, where we specify like, all right, this athlete needs more speed. We're going to put them on the God mode program. This athlete needs more power. We'll put them on the super saiyan blue program. Um, or this athlete needs more confidence and more, um just i don't know uh yeah confidence in their ability and then we can put them on like, on, like the ultra instinct program and those of you that have watched Dragon ball super will know what i'm talking about and everybody else just pay attention to exercise science <laughs> straight over their head nothing but- would go over my head my reflexes are too fast and i would catch it correct that's a drax destroyer quote from yes. uh, guardians of the galaxy yes yes nerd
1: (laughs) (laughs) no but i like it i like the parallels we're able like that we could actually draw bringing in pop culture yeah there's zero percent chance we could actually sell that because we (laughs) would have to get the rights to that from whoever makes dragon ball z
0: so if you want to work on that i think let's do it yeah but i mean we could do what you're saying like literally title a program god Mode. like i could do it like i don't know I, i was talking um this actually reminds me of a a uh, conversation I have and I'm going to name drop and I hate myself for doing it. But, uh, we were at the UFC PI with Uriah Hall. And he was like, dude, watching Dragon Ball Z. It's like, that's why I fight like watching Goku level up every time. He's like, that's what I'm doing. I'm just getting better every fight. And I'm okay. like, and we got to have to share a share moment of like nerding out in Dragon Ball Z. So that's kind of cool. <laughs>
1: that before or after you nerded out about the Joker with Joey B?
0: Oh, probably, uh, probably after that, yeah, dude, <laughs> Joey B's got some good, uh, Good pop culture references for sure. Um, Mao has a Dragon Ball Z ta- or Dragon Ball tattoo on his knee. So that's nice. Yeah. So, and I don't know why, but for some reason, Dragon Ball Z is or Dragon Ball Z or like shonen or fighting anime are uh, all over combat sports. Like, well, for sure, because
1: it's it is the pop culture for so long. Pop culture was so so heavy on football, so heavy on yeah. like like traditional American sports. That over in Asian culture and in Japanese culture in particular, it was so big on the fighting on the combat sports you see it in almost every single anime that it yeah. makes sense that like that generation that's what they grew up on that's what like bro i remember watching naruto in my bed when i was like 10
0: yeah i think that's 100 percent the timing too because like in the 90s it's when all the um anime or japanese cartoons like migrated to america and like that's who's in the ufc now is like the 25 to 35 year olds that For sure grew up on that shit yeah
1: that's cool i, I mean honestly, yeah I, fuck I wish...
0: israel adesanya and yeah. Naruto, so, like crazy last style vendor for all sure
1: no nah, i i wish i stuck with it but it was one of those things that something had to give and i'm gonna watch the office 15 times before <laughs> before i watch more dragon ball z i'll be real honest with
0: you oh man i've been on a kick i've been i've been trying to rewatch naruto um there's so if you want to jump into anime probably pick a more recent are we um, just doing an anime podcast is this what this was turning into absolutely all um, right I'm I'd pick in. A more more recent one because uh the old ones are a little bit stale and uh there's some filler episodes but like essentially in the 90s one piece naruto and dragon ball z were like it yep. uh so Yo, pause for one
1: second one of my track athletes one of my altus athletes actually i can find, I'm find name dropping aries Merritt, he owns a world record in the 110 meter hurdles bro he watched every single episode of
0: one piece in a month jesus christ man dude and he come like, in for treatment and he's watching it on his phone there's like 900 to a thousand oh. i don't think you guys understand there's like thousand episodes. yeah there's 928 i know the number <laughs> it's just funny because <laughs> i remember even listening to joe rogan and uh, israel i was on there and joe rogan like specifically he's like so what is this naruto thing like you do uh, all the anime type stuff what is this and even izzy was like Yeah, like it's like there's like 720 episodes. Like we don't have time to get into that (laughs) on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's (laughs) It's funny funny. because
1: that's the one podcast they have the time.
0: Oh man, they have the that could have turned into a
1: whole anime podcast
0: like this one. Yeah, exactly. But but no, isolating different training qualities, I think, is a huge um, misnomer in training for sure. Um, I, I'm not honestly a huge fan of concurrent training. I think while we have a bunch of elite athletes and uh, yeah, elite world-class athletes on the mat, in the cage, whatever have you, like not a lot of them are world-class or elite in the weight room. Bingo. And not like, not in a derogatory way or not in like a shitting on athletes type of way. I mean it 1000% in a derogatory way. <laughs> but like, you just haven't spent enough time in the weight room because that's not your profession. Right. And I don't want you to become a world-class weightlifter. Like if you're a world-class sure. weightlifter and a world-class MMA athlete, like you win. <laughs> you're the guy. Uh, um, well, to be fair, you're probably not
1: going to be a world-class MMA fighter if you are a world-class weightlifter,
0: because you really...
1: Almost every single person on this earth, unless you are obscene like Elon Musk, obscenely special, operate on a different wavelength. You can only be world class in one thing because it's gonna take all of your time. And if you're focused so much on being world class at weightlifting, guess what? Your fight training is going to suffer for the most House,
0: part. How's could be soccer training going, by the way? I have not paid attention. I don't you know, pay you got assigned to a professional team, right?
1: Oh yeah. To what is it? Like the, like the B league of Russia or some shit like that.
0: I don't know that specifically, but yeah, it was funny. My, my wife texts me. She's a huge soccer fan. Uh, she gets into soccer. <laughs> a ton. Yeah. She, t- <laughs> she texts me. she said, Khabib K-A-B-E-E-B <laughs> Khabib signed to play pro soccer. I was like, Oh my God. I put her on blast for sure. Um, but yeah, that, I a hundred percent agree. Like if you have the, drive or even the gift and the talent to be world-class at one thing. Um, It's more than likely you're going to be above average at other Mm -hmm. things, Mm -hmm. but the world-class above average to world-class is such a steep slope that you probably won't be able to accomplish that in two things. And if you do like, again, that's crazy talent, but I mean, I know a lot of people that make a really good living and and are very successful being above average at a lot of
1: things. Well, we could think about I, when I think about being world-class, I think about on the sustainability curve. Most things akin to me can come back to uh, not even the curve, a paradigm, if you will, where it's a straight line. And on one side, it's, it's do nothing. You're a piece of shit. You sit at home all day and eat Cheetos. And on the other side is gold medal, world champ. You Super Bowl champ there's a lot of people that can be above average above average is literally just above 70 percent right but going from 95 to a hundred percent or even going from 90 to 100 percent so in that a to a plus from that really really good to world class range that forces you to give up certain things a lot of people can be above average Without giving up certain things. In order to become world class, in order to become elite, is what I would say the 90% and above. You have to give up other parts of your life to
0: become elite. Yeah, it's almost like an exponential curve, right? Exactly. Like, Sorry, oh, bottom and go ahead.
1: Well, and, and that's why it's on the sustainability paradigm, right? It's the middle, 50, 50 and really 40 to 60%, that's sustainable for every single person. You can stay between 40 and 60% and have to give up nothing else in your life. You get up to above average. You give up maybe a little bit, maybe instead of having McDonald's twice a week, you can still have it once a month. You still get to have that mouth pleasure and you still get to eat unhealthy, but you're working towards being above average at your health. If you will, you get to the 80%. Well, fuck, maybe, maybe you do keto. And you decide, and just throwing out a random trend, please don't do keto if you haven't consulted somebody. Christina, don't kill me. Um, but and throw, maybe you decide to do keto and you really start to take your health seriously. But guess what? That you have to give up X, Y, and Z to order, in order to become keto. And then you get to the top level. If we're talking about elite at eating or elite at dietetics is, is what the paradigm I'm going on right now for sustainability curve. You get all the way up to the hundred percent. Those are the people that take no time off. Those are the people that only eat healthy food that are based around their diet and this diet that's making them feel at a hundred percent in all points in time. And they never have a cheat meal. Well, guess what? You had to give up the happiness of mouth pleasure. You had to give up the happiness of eating whenever you want, because typically those people are on a calorie restriction or a time restriction diet as well. And focusing, you have to give up these different things that make you happy in order to accomplish that one goal, which is overall peak, like the people that want to be centurions, if for the most part. Right. So no matter what if you want to become elite in whatever skill set you want to become elite at you're going to give up on some other thing it's like that old meme that always gets passed around it's a triangle and it's like in college you get if you're a college athlete you get two of these three things social life high academics and high performance in your sport you only get two of those things like and that was i remember that was passed around and i was college wrestling. So it's, and it's true. You have, you typically have to give up one thing. And if you want to be a a stud college athlete, well, guess what? You're probably either giving up your academics or you're giving up your social life.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I think, but, and that's all within the scope of like controllable variables, right? Like, like sacrificing something or that's like within your um, decision-making tree and within your, um, your own ability to make decisions. But like, where does I'm I'm curious too. Like, where does talent come into this? Like, because, like, I love you, but like, some people just aren't gonna be professional athletes. Some people just aren't gonna be good at sport, right? So it's like, how far can effort take you on any scale of that? Versus, like, how much are you just predisposed or have the right genetics for? And I think. Um, my thoughts on that are that people have a lot of genetics that predispose them. And I think effort can make up for a great deal. I think a hundred percent effort can make up for a great deal, but effort, I don't know, can climb that 95% gap, right? Like for effort sure. might get you to like the, the 80th or the 85th percentile top of the world, but like effort alone, isn't going to get you from 80 to hundred.
1: Yeah. No, no matter. Look, I've said it on the podcast before. I'll say it again. Probably uh, no matter what no matter what diet I would have had the biggest variable in my wrestling career is that I literally ate like a four-year-old or probably an eight-year-old child. I cut weight eating starbursts. Um, No matter what I ate, I was never going to be an Olympic champ point blank. I, I didn't have the talent to get there. I didn't have the inherent talent to get to the pinnacle of the sport. So what I think about is that sustainability paradigm that we just talked about. It's just like if what I would compare it to is like the force velocity curve. If you have talent, the curve shifts, right? (laughs) Right. So it's, it's, if you, exactly. It's, it's while it can still be the same curve or it can still be the same paradigm. You would just shift the curve, right. Or you would shift the paradigm right to where you by blessed by God, born that way. Like uh, like an easy example is somebody I've been around Henry Cejudo, that man can do shit that pe- other people can't do. Stuff that I thought was physically impossible to move your body to move that way. And right. he just immediately can pick up on stuff. He is naturally gifted at combat sports. His curve started at 70%. His 40% is 70%. And it right. got to all the way up to 130 of a normal person. That's people can't reach above 100
0: and i think like and i I parallel this too with like strength and conditioning like the extra time and effort and like work ethic you put in like is necessary like he wouldn't be triple c without the time and effort and work ethic that he had
1: he probably could have done
0: great things he would have been phenomenal should he not have done that but he did and he achieved you know like world-class level borderline goat status stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what I see with strength conditioning. Like, you can get by without it. Like, there's a ton of MMA fighters that are successful without effective or any strength conditioning game plan. Like, sure. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you're going to be the greatest or you want to be genuinely your best that you're in, like, you have to check that box. You have to get some type of movement quality. You have to get stronger. You have to up your physical potential in order to up your – Absolute output
1: for sure. Like I, well, I tell people a lot is that like like if you're in in all reality, I, l- I love my job, I love what I do. But in all reality, strength editioning for a fighter is never going to be more than fifteen percent of the overall thing. Right? Typically, it's about ten percent is what I tell people. But if you ain't doing it, guess what? You ain't getting from ninety to one hundred percent. That's yeah. ten. That's ten percent. You're literally just leaving on the table because you don't want to work hard, and that's that's the problem when you don't do S and C. That's the problem when same thing with recovery. If you don't take recovery seriously, if you're not sleeping, if you're not eating, if you're not getting a little bit of tissue work done, if you're not if you're if you're eating like an eight year old like I was, guess what? That's another ten percent. Then right there, if you're not recovering well and you're not training, if you're not doing strength conditioning, well, guess what? You're stuck at eighty percent. It's not even a fucking A. Yeah. <laughs> So you can be the most talented person in the world. And maybe maybe you are Henry Cejudo status and your 70% is a normal person's 40% or your 40% is a normal person's 70%. You're starting above the curve, but guess what? That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get to the pinnacle of the sport. You may have all the talent in the world, but if you are only sitting at your 80%, You're still not going to beat somebody else just as talented at you that's doing those extra things or doing not even extra things, doing the things that require to get to their 100%. That's just, that's not even extra. That's just, that should be work that's getting done.
0: Yeah, And I like something that we're doing inherently. I think it started when we started talking about Henry Sudo, but like, it's a very relative percent scale right sure. like like there's two scales that you can talk about is like the the top of the totem pole is as far as maxing out your personal 100% like i've gotten to my whole potential because i've done mm. x y and z and sacrificed this and like like and i've done my absolute best to get here but then there there's the other scale that's the absolute absolute scale of like i've gotten to the top like like number 1 in the, in uh, I guess in the, oh, the one percenters, right? Mm-hmm. So there's the absolute scale that, like, could be even, um, Sanya, like, and, and those guys step on, stay on, or whatever. So, but I think what's hundred percent more worthwhile is maxing out your own personal hundred percent, right? Yeah. Like, like, that's the only thing you can work on because you can control that. You can't control the absolute hundred percent, like where you stand on that. I guess by controlling your own personal hundred percent, you can work your way up the absolute scale, but. So many people trick themselves into thinking that the absolute scale is the only important thing. Um, where in reality, like personal, like development and growth, it, like far outweighs any extrinsic value, reward, or um, accomplishment that you get. Right? That's the like extrinsic versus intrinsic motivational speech.
1: Well, I I wanted to I honestly could take it a little bit more meta, bro. Let's take it one step further than oh that. God, is...
0: speaking my language. I
1: know. That's why I said it. Uh, but you could take that even one step further. And maybe like what I think separates people is passion. I think maybe you're just looking at the wrong scale, right? Just like, let's bring it back to my example of me, where no matter what I did, I did not have the talent to become an Olympic gold medalist. It just wasn't in the cards for me. hmm but I searched and I found, and I, I, I felt, I found the thing that made me feel right. I found the thing where I was not just inherently good, but I was passionate about these, this inherent talent that I had in something. And that is performance care of uh, performance care in general, but specifically performance care of combat athletes. And I found the right scale. It's not necessarily that it, cause you're not the same on every scale, right? I'm dog shit. At, at, like Alex is talking about, he can do fan art and all this shit. I can't even color in the lines. I'm I'll be totally honest with y'all. I can try as hard as I can. I'm 26 year old and I am not afraid to say I cannot color in the lines, but guess what? I'm really his like, handwriting. Yeah. My handwriting is even worse. That's, <laughs> that's why everybody knew I was going into healthcare, but in, in all reality, I, I found the thing where I found the scale where I started at 70%. And I think that's a big part. If we're getting really meta, I think that's a big part of life and being happy with what you do and and trying to reach your fullest potential. It's yes, you can try to max out that scale that you're on the best you can, but sometimes you just got to find a different fucking scale. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you got to find a scale where you can, you, you start at 70 instead of starting at 40.
0: I, I agree with that, but not everybody's passion lines up with what they have an inherent advantage at, right? Like, True. Like, I, I totally agree that you should find something that you have an unfair Um, this is kind of coming from different business quotes and talks I've heard, but like you get an unfair advantage. That unfair advantage could be your skill set, Could you be your adaptability? It could be your like physical talent at a thing, right? You got to find where you have an unfair advantage. You're the 70 while everybody else is the 40. And then you can exploit that in order to be successful at it, like finding the right scale. But sometimes, man, like your passion and what you're drawn to just isn't that thing. Right. And that's kind of where you get your like come from behind stories or your, um, underdog Rudy, tales where like Rudy, right? Like, Rudy. like you don't have the inherent ability or advantage, but you find a way to make it work. And I think that's, that's a really cool paradigm and story as well. But I think too, that with the unfair advantage, you still got to work to get ahead with it because right. You're sitting at sure. 70. Like if you don't have the passion, you don't work okay. at it. Like you're just going to stay at the 70th percent. Like, even though you started there, like you'll still be there. So Um, yeah, man. So finding the passion and finding that lane for your life to judge yourself, I think is is huge. Um,
1: well, I, I mean, it's the reason I brought it up is I just had that talk with somebody today. Somebody was talking to me about, um, just different payment stuff and, and certain people I do certain different things with based off situation and, or just honestly, based off of the athlete's passion I'm working with. Right. If, if I enjoy going to a session, Which with this person I do, like, they're talking about like, oh, I need to pay you this. And I'm like, look, I don't think you guys get it. I absolutely love my job and I'm young in the field. I'm still getting paid. I'm still doing all these different things. But the fact that I'm extremely happy, you're extremely happy to be here. And the, I know I was put on this earth to do this exact thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what allows me to start at that seventy percent. That's what allows me to want to keep growing. That's what allows me to take it to the next level and allows me to grow a, in my field and and really, like you said, it doesn't mean anything if you have the unfair advantage if you squander it, if you just That's waste fair. it, right? It's it's. I had that talk today, and it may, it was what brought this idea to my mind is like, if you have an unfair advantage and you don't ta- at least try to tap into it, I feel like that's a problem.
0: Right. And uh, and I think how many of us let the, the stupid menial shit and like, it doesn't seem stupid or menial when you're going through it, but like, the uh, the situations mm-hmm. deter us from doing that. Right. Like, like a big stress for me, like personally now has been like financials, right. Like that's the, the coaching, you know, saying forever, if I could do this shit for free, I would, but like, for sure, the bare reality is like you can't. Like, no, you, you got bills. Good, you can't. So, yeah. like, I know that gets in the way, and I, I've personally felt the stress of that. But, like, if this is truly your passion, you're going to find a way to make work, and you're going to actually go after it, right? Mm-hmm. So, 100%. I think there's there's that perseverance that comes with the the passion as well. Because, I mean, if you're passionate about something, you're not going to give up on it. Mm-hmm. Just like period, and I think there's a couple of things that, that there to unpack. There is like you make a decision that you're passionate about something, like for me, that's been just like a black and white decision in my life. You know, whether it's you know, marrying my wife, whether that's um, doing strength and conditioning, whether that's wrestling, like I'm passionate about this. This is decision made 100% of the time, yeah, right? It's just there, like that. There's nothing more I can do about it, like, mm-hmm. sorry. You know, where I think a lot of people struggle with that decision, like because commitment is scary, change is scary. And I get all of that stuff. And I certainly am toe in, toe out on, on a couple of things. But like when you make that decision, and I think this is a, a, a kind of a game changing decision, it's just like, this is important to me. I'm not mm-hmm. going to stop with it. Right. I'm not going to let anything else get in the way. And that's where you make the sacrifice and that's where you find ways to make it work. Because God knows if there's things worth pursuing in life, there's, obstacles there and there's adversity that's going to face you along the way and so I, i'm a big proponent of talking about that with my athletes and getting you know people to think about like what what am i truly passionate about what am i actually going after this for because with some athletes like that are going through the motions like maybe it's not worth it exactly like you said like quit and find something new like mm-hmm. not because i don't like you not because you know you're not good fit for the team like sometimes you are one of the better players but like if you hate going to practice every day like realize that and act on it don't mm-hmm. just like grit and bury your teeth but i i think that's uh an interesting insight that like our, our whole society is so like don't quit don't be a quitter you can't quit this it's like if you're not good at something and you don't like it why are you doing it <laughs> like straight up like <laughs> like i'm sorry if that's like sounds dream crushing because i was just being so motivational 30 seconds ago but you don't like something and you're not good at it what are you why are you doing it
1: because your dad said when you were a little kid that if you start <laughs> something you got to finish it which means you have to do it forever
0: well i mean to an extent i'm a, i'm a fan of finish what you start but yeah, For sure. don't, don't
1: but that also gets that that's literally that's why people
0: that suck at something
1: and they don't like it that's why people continue to do it. It's because they kept getting preached at their whole life. If you start something, you got to finish it. Sometimes it's okay to give up on certain things because you realize it isn't for you. It doesn't mean you do it to everything. And it doesn't mean you become a quitter in everything in life. But if you inherently, just like you said, you're not, you're not like, that's, I think, honestly, that's why we're best friends. That's why we get along so well. I'm the same thing. Like lacrosse, decided to go to lacrosse. I literally committed on my way home. Uh, Portland, when I went to my doctorate, I literally, I knew I was going there from the moment that I was on my flight coming home, living in Phoenix, my wedding venue. We only went to one fucking wedding venue. Me Mm -hmm. and Lisa looked at each other in the parking lot. I'm like, I don't got to go anywhere else. This is where we're getting married. Yeah. Like I'm a very not toe in, toe out person. I'm very decisive, Mm -hmm. but it's people that are toe in and toe out those are the people sorry, the people that are decisive that also suck at those certain things that those are the people that get stuck in those like almost like negative feedback loops where you suck at something, you don't like it, but you were so decisive and you were so sold on it that you got to mm-hmm. stay doing it because you don't want to be proven wrong and you don't want to, yeah, that's honestly what it is. It's you don't want to be proven wrong. You don't want to act like the decisiveness you just had was a weakness instead of a strength when yeah, in reality, be, sometimes it's vulnerable. a weakness. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's a weakness to be so sure because guess what? It burns you sometimes,
0: but that's okay. That's life. (laughs) And you learn from it and you move forward. And I think, I don't know, that's, it's an interesting paradigm because like, again, if you're first, you don't succeed, try, try again. Right. But like sometimes if first you don't succeed, like do something else. (laughs) Straight up. Like, um, but I think, there's pros and cons to that too, because like when you're decisive about something like it can be a positive motivational thing too. Like I'm not getting proved wrong on this. Like how many UFC and MMA athletes are like, everybody doubted me. They're all haters. And now look where I am because I, I took that adversity on the chin and like, <laughs> good for you, man. Like that's a hundred percent, you know, bona fide if that's how you found your motivation, but I'm willing to bet that underneath that there's more passion on your own end versus like <laughs> doing it for somebody else. I think, that's where the more powerful actions and motivation come for again is an intrinsic value. Like I need this to feel good about myself. I don't need this to prove you wrong. Like,
1: well, and, and of all the success stories of the people that do say, Oh, look at all the haters. I proved wrong. There's gotta be at least seven to 10 other people that literally didn't make it. And they just not wasted. Cause it's not a waste of time, but they just sat on the regional circuit for 10 years didn't get to the big show and they didn't realize their dreams and they could have been focusing on something else that maybe they were good at if they would have pivoted.
0: Yeah. But that that it's also, yeah, it's a hard decision to make too, because even if you're not good at something and you don't like it, but you're committed to it, like it's, there's a lot of, you know, Opportunity cost. There's a lot left on the table. There's a lot of, you know, passion there. Like you can not like something and not be good at it, but still be passionate about it. Like for sure, that's bona fide, but like that's still a hard decision to make too. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think those are sometimes the crossroads that we get into because like life is complex. Like there are a lot of factors going into each decision. Like what may seem like a straightforward thing. And that's why you have like best friends that have clarity moments with you or like they say something you're like, duh. Like why, why couldn't (laughs) I, that was just blocked on that. Right. But like, it's, it's hard to see yourself when you're in it because the ego gets in the way because you've been so committed to something. You've been so passionate about it, but like, maybe it's just, I don't know. It's a, it's a uh, fine line to walk. Well, that's where
1: I think coaches can be better. Honestly. It's, and this is, this is somewhere I wanted to pivot a little bit earlier, but let's talk about it now is talking about coaching with that different paradigm is if you have an athlete that you can tell their goals don't match up with the work that they're putting in or with their inherent talent, think about like the Rudy's, no matter what, if if you haven't seen Rudy, please watch the movie you're behind. But if you, uh, if you know what Rudy is, he's basically in Notre Dame. I don't remember the seventies or some shit like that. And he was this little kid that walked on at Notre Dame and he finally got to play and he, I don't know, he score a touchdown or something. Is that how the movie ends? And then we got put in on special special teams and he either scored a touchdown or got a big tackle. One of the two, I haven't seen it in like 10 years, but he, it was this like underdog, true underdog story. It's the quintessential underdog story, but this guy, no matter what, wasn't going to go somewhere with football, right? He's undersized. He's underskilled. He's got a great work ethic, but for the most part, his coaches knew this. Well, after that moment in time, if you were a good coach, you got to be able to tell the person in front. You got to be honest. Good coaches are honest. And it sounds terrible to say. It's just like a, another very similar conversation is the retirement talk. When yeah. is it When is it okay to tell an athlete that it's time to retire? And, and that's where coaches come in, where when you start seeing the athlete's values, the athlete's work ethics, and the athlete's talent not match up with the quote-unquote goals they're telling you that's where the coach needs to step in and have an honest conversation with the athlete because that could avoid that could avoid them putting 3 years of their life into something that you knew from the jump they were not going to achieve because their work ethic and their values and their skills didn't match the goal they were saying
0: oh there's there's an emotional intelligence here right that I think needs to be touched on and then a lot of coaches need to up their game at where it's like I have the conversation with the understanding of trust and vulnerability. And, um, you know, it's going to be a a heavy subject. So tread lightly. Right. And so there's like a a maturity aspect. Like, I don't want to have that conversation. Let's just keep blindly marching forward. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, again, anybody that is in your life and you're passionate about or that you care deeply about, like, I hope you're able to have those honest conversations, those hard conversations with and Again, I hope that your athletes are there with you, but like be able to have that conversation, at least try, you know? Like try <laughs> to have that conversation and then if it doesn't go the way you planned or it doesn't work, but try again next time. Like the only way you get better at things is to try them. So an, an uh, easy
1: fix is asking
0: questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like right. instead of saying,
1: "Hey bro, you fucking suck, you probably shouldn't be a fighter." You can say, hey, you say you want to be in the UFC, but I I really only see you, you're only training three days a week and you don't do any strength and conditioning. Um, from my point of view, I've worked with UFC fighters. I don't see how what you're saying matches with your goals. I think something needs to change, whether that's we need to increase your overall output or your overall training. Or maybe this just isn't right for you. If that's what you think is, is what it's going to take. I can promise you that's not what it's going to take. And maybe we just go our separate ways. But if you can't, if you can't ask the questions, if you can't say, Hey, what's your goal? And then be able to come back and have an honest communicate, have an honest conversation. But but also be level-headed when you say it and not let emotion get in the way because it is going to be an emotional conversation on one end. You can't make it an emotional conversation on two ends. That's when shit escalates. Um, it's, you need to look within yourself and, and, and focus on get interpersonal skills, we'll say.
0: Yeah, and that's not just like X's and O's of coaching. That's like just being a good person good people person, a good relational person, a good, um, like you, you say you have your athletes back hundred percent that you care about them, like show that through this, this open and honest and vulnerable, like conversation. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's hundred percent the, the way to go with that, because like, as coaches, like like it or not, you are in a leadership position, you are an example for your athletes, and you are in a, in a hierarchical relationship. So don't use that and abuse it to be above and beyond everybody and tell people what to do, but use that to um, lead or to come from a place of security and to m- utilize a partnership um, in mm-hmm. that sense. So I think that's hugely uh, understated and important. And that again has nothing to do or very little to do with winning and losing. For sure. And I it think is, that that's important. It has everything to do about being
1: a good human and trying to not just be a maker of fighters, but a maker of men and women.
0: Yeah. Amen. And I'm like, I don't know, I'll forever, like, that'll be like the cross-eyed bear every coaching interaction I have. And I think strength and conditioning is a perfect lane for this because you don't necessarily win at strength and conditioning, but like I would much rather have you have a moral victory than set a PR or become for a sure. better human rather than a better athlete. Like, of course they, the, my job is to make you a better athlete. That should be the, the prerequisite, the um, understood benefit, but like making you a better human is my passion, my profession for sure.
1: And Um, I'll be honest, I think that was something we, we've kind of not shit on our college wrestling team on this podcast, but we, we don't always say nice things about it. We'll put it that way. That was something that I thought our head coach and our assistant coach definitely did well is that at least with me and my main guy on that team was coach Needham, Ross Needham, who one of the best coaches I've ever been around man's amazing, great family, man, great dad, great coach, but he's not afraid of. He a always asked our goals. He asked our goals. I think every week we had to write down our goals. He point blank would, he would, to the point where I thought he was being an asshole sometimes <laughs> to me. Um, if, if your goal didn't match your work ethic and your, what you said you were going to like, what the work that you were doing didn't match the goal you were going to do. He'd point blank tell you, he's like, you want to be, be an you want to be an all American, but you're not doing any extra one-on-ones. You're not going to the weight room on time yada yada x y and z you're not you're eating like a child was what i used to hear <laughs> um that's just not going to happen and that literally me hearing that my third year of school my, my last because I, I did three years my last year of um undergrad that's what made me realize i'm like hey i'm on the next part of my journey this whole college wrestling thing it's over like mm-hmm. While I was still wrestling, I was, I mean, you could see it. I, had, I My entire life, I never had less than a 75% win record by, in, in, in any season. My last season ever of wrestling, I think I had like a 60% win record. That was obscene. Yeah. Actually, I think it was more, my entire life. I don't think I've ever had less than 85%. And then my last year, my, my 157, I had like a 60% win record. And it's because I had that conversation with Ross where it was like, I, I just, I don't know what about that conversation, but him being honest, him caring about me and telling me that what you're saying isn't matching your goals. If he wouldn't have ever said that, I probably, honestly, I probably would have stayed at lacrosse cross a, a fourth year legitimately probably would have stayed another fourth year. I would have wasted another 17 grand and wrestled and maybe took seventh. Might've got that all American I was chasing, but that would have, I would have paid more money in student loans. That would have set me back a year in my career. And in all honesty, this podcast wouldn't exist. My clinic probably wouldn't exist. And, and I would be an entire year behind what I was doing And that one little cascade. That one little conversation is what made me realize that that part of my journey was over. And it was time to move on. It was time to, it's time to find my next passion. And it was time to go down this next road that led me to sports medicine.
0: Yeah. That, and that's, uh, and, that, and, th-
1: and bef- before you jump in and that, that's why I will forever tell people Ross Needham is one of the best coaches I've ever been around because he, he can have those conversations. He's a great technique, technical coach, but he was never afraid to have those conversations. And that's what makes a good coach.
0: No, a hundred percent. I think being accessible like that is a huge benefit um, and just, again, a huge quality in a good coach and and somebody that you respect. And like you all, we always think back to, you know, who's the good coaches. And when you're a coach, you want to be like them, or you want to do some of the things that they did or, or provide the need that you had. Um, But I think that that's a huge transition that doesn't get hit a lot on Cause even when we were talking about like retirement earlier, even when we were talking about like time to hang up the the gloves or whatever, like my immediate thought goes to like the 13 fight UFC, that the like yeah. professional athlete that's putting it away. Like you don't realize it, but like collegiate athletes, some high school athletes, like semi-professionals, like that decision happens all the time. And mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't make it less painful because you were not a professional or because you didn't accomplish the things you wanted to like how many collegiate athletes like struggle Not being an athlete after they're out of college, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's a relatively small percentage, (laughs) every single one (laughs) it's a small percentage that make it to the pros or or, are able to do that thing. So I think that's a huge realization that happens, and like, and again, what's the next step? What's your next journey? What are you most passionate about after that? Because some people do get lost in this awesome, like you know, the identity crisis happens, like. Who am I without wrestling? Who am I without my collegiate football team? Like who mm-hmm. am I um after I'm done playing soccer forever? Like it's a it's a hard transition a hundred percent. And so that's a a very key coaching moment to be able to have those um those conversations for sure. Fuck did we go from anime to this deep ass shit? It is what it is, man. Freestyle episode.
1: Yeah, um, it's
0: our it's our normal conversations. I do want to have a a side comment that brings it back a little lighter. Um one of a phenomenal show talking about coaching and emotional intelligence that I've been watching is Ted Lasso. On oh, that Apple show's Plus. hysterical. Yeah, that show is, show is not only hysterical but like heartfelt and like deep too. For sure, um, I, I'm a huge fan. Of, and without giving away too many of the details, it's an American football coach um, from an NCAA program gets hired as a head coach of an English Premier League soccer program, right? a really it's,
1: bad English Premier League soccer program,
0: right? So that's, yeah, that's essentially like the NFL hiring a amateur soccer coach to be the head coach. Right. So, and, but I I like it a lot because it takes out the X's and O's of coaching and like just shows how much you can do with a a culture, with a interpersonal relational approach to coaching. And so that's, uh, yeah, really entertaining both because it's funny as shit and there are some very deep moments. Side side note: Since you have Apple Plus, and I didn't know this, have you
1: watched Mythic Quest? No, bro, that shit's hysterical. I, the one about the video game company. It's uh It's with. It's by the creators of Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Okay. And it's basically like a mix between the comedy of Always Sunny and Silicon Valley from yeah. HBO. It's It yeah, does, does sound like a wet dream for you. Yeah. Oh, it's it's it is all wet up in here. <laughs> up in here. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, all right well you do the intro so you got to do the outro oh man um,
0: better not mess it up well that was us talking about a bunch of random shit <laughs> but Thanks. we got i think we got deep i think we uh <laughs> we hit some good coaching points on there as well but uh yeah so if you liked this podcast hit the like uh hit the share hit the subscribe whatever technical wizardry happens there uh leave us a review let us know what you think let us know if you agree or disagree or um just want to hear more on it we're all ears our website is up and running um we've been programming a lot of athletes through true coach we've been creating content left and right um hopefully again that's helpful for everybody on our instagram page and um yeah do all the cool things share this so we can talk to your friends that's austin's weird quote we want to become friends with your friends so we can talk to them and that we're all friends.
1: Correct. That's close. Close enough. <laughs> but I do want to make a highlight point team programs. I think we don't, we haven't talked about this enough. All of you high school. Uh, like we, we, I just looked at the stats. We're getting 750 listens an episode. That's a good amount. We have like two reviews. So first of all, review our shit. <laughs> Second of all, I'm assuming most of the people listening are coaches because most of the people I talk to are coaches. If you are a high school or a college team, you have a weight room at your disposal, but you don't have a strength coach on staff. We are a more cost-efficient way out. Well, other than you programming yourself, but please just trust us. That's cost what we do for a living.
0: Quality yeah.
1: it's, it is a, what we do is we do month by month program. We'll sit down with the coaching staff. We will talk about what you guys want out of your strength and conditioning, the equipment that you have. And from there, create programs based around your actual wrestling program or jujitsu school whatever it may be combat sports affiliated program that will help your athletes get to the next level in the strength and conditioning realm so instead of talking to a crossfit coach in your Town or whatever the fuck people are doing nowadays actually give us a call go to our website send us an email hit us up on instagram i don't care but get in contact with us because we just want to help your athletes succeed and the best way to do that and the most cost efficient way to do that is to get
0: in touch with us 100 i mean i think the sports specific knowledge and i think the the background in exercise science and uh human anatomy and physiology speaks for itself but um Yeah, absolutely. Offering team programs. I think that's some of the most exciting stuff that we do. Uh, We offer complete video demonstrations for everything. We'll do video chats. And like I said, customize it to your philosophy within your program, within um, how we can best benefit your athletes. Um, So hit us up on there. Look at all our um, products on the website and everything. But this is Building a Fighter. And as always, this is Alex Friedman. Dr. Austin Shane. And we are out.